In today's highly competitive mortgage industry, building profitable relationships with real estate agents is essential for success. However, finding effective ways to secure agent relationships can be a challenge. With so many mortgage loan originators vying for the attention of real estate agents, it can be difficult to stand out and establish meaningful connections. Our new case study featuring loan officer Chris Coghill is a must read. Chris has closed a remarkable 36 million in funded loans from agent referrals. And in this case study, he shares his proven strategies for building strong relationships with real estate agents and leveraging those relationships to drive more business. To get your hands on this resource, head over to locastudy.com and download your free copy of the case study today. You'll find actionable insights and practical tips that Chris used to close 36 million in funded loans from agent referrals and how you can too. Don't miss out. Go check it out right now. Visit locastudy.com and download your free copy today. Welcome to Mortgage Marketing Radio, brought to you by the Mortgage Marketing Institute, your number one source for truth in mortgage marketing. Hey, listeners, Jeff Zimfer. Welcome once again to this week's episode of Mortgage Marketing Radio. Hope you are doing well. Hope you are preparing for Q4 closing out 2018 strong. And if there's any one single message, and I got to give a shout out to uh, Bill Hart, my uh, mentor from afar, my uh, brother from another mother, my, one of the most esteemed coaches uh, out there in the world today. Uh, Bill posted a, a video recently that talked about attacking the market, attacking the market. And I couldn't agree more in the top producers that I talk to, the loan officers that I'm working with on a daily basis. You know, that's the one thing that. Um, you know, the one key to success. What's that magic silver bullet? It's the fundamentals. It's the blocking and tackling, and it's doubling down on the outbound activities, um, stepping that game up because the tide is washing out. And as you've heard me say before, a rising tide races all boats. Well, in this market that we've entered into in the coming market, the tide is going out. And the question is, is what's going to be left behind? Will you be washed up on the shore or will you be one that survives and thrives? And it is a land grab right now moving forward in this current market, meaning those who uh, freeze, uh, those who right get stuck and wonder what's my next move are going to be left behind. They're going to lose important momentum. Don't be that person. Be the person who sees the opportunity now, like Warren Buffett has said before, when there's blood in the streets, that's the time to invest. Well, there may not be blood in the streets yet, uh, but there definitely is a shift and a pivot. And realtors are going to be looking for right that professional mortgage relationship that adds value, that they can count on, that delivers value for them and their clients. And now's the time to double down on your outbound activities to get those relationships, not only with real estate agents, but other referral partners, such as financial advisors, which brings us to my special guest here today, Mr. Craig Strant. CEO of Apex Home Loans out of Rockville, Maryland. Uh, we dive uh, deep into how Craig has largely built his business as one of his biggest pillars is financial advisors. Realtors is another one. But we're going to unpack this, this conversation about a couple of different things. Um, one is, you know, how do you demonstrate your visible value and how are you um, engaging with buyers, right? 
during the first uh, conversation and consultation so that uh, you are demonstrating yourself as somebody much more valuable than just rate and quote. How do you do that? What are the questions you ask? How do you use that 1003 to open up a conversation? How do you take somebody right off, right, to t- take it out of that silo, as my friend Ed Connerkey talks about, take it out of, out of the silo of price and talk about advice? right? How do you leverage your past database, which Craig talks about. Um, But most of the time on this particular conversation, we're talking about financial advisors and how to find them, how to approach them, how to be more successful in presenting yourself to financial advisors, what to say, right? Because that's the biggest reason why most loan officers, you listening, um, don't pursue financial advisors. Oh, I want to do it. I want to do it, but I don't know what to say. Uh, both on the phone and in the meeting. Well, Craig's going to help you with that as well. And Craig's just a rock star, man. He is uh, among the top 1% of mortgage bankers nationwide. Um, He has received the 40 Under 40 Award. His uh, company has been recognized uh, throughout the greater Maryland area as uh, one of the best companies to work for. Craig's consistently in the top 100 mortgage originators and companies in the country. So uh, the guy's just a rock star and over 20 years of experience. So this is a deep dive, right? Crash course in um, how to be a truly highly successful, productive, efficient mortgage loan officer. So I hope you enjoy that. And if you haven't uh, yet checked out our latest announcement at mortgagemarketing.pro, if you're looking for more training, if you're looking for that, you know, finally the single place where you can learn how to better partner with real estate agents, get some scripting, become a modern mortgage originator and have a better, more professional presence online, go check out mortgagemarketingpro.com. And with that said, let's get into my conversation with Craig Strint, my special guest for this week's episode of Mortgage Marketing Radio. Hey, Craig, welcome to the show. Thank you. Hey, man, glad you could be here. I know you're extremely busy running a company and uh, right, probably dealing with uh, the daily market issues and changes and fluctuations we've got in this mortgage market right now. So I did a formal intro for the listeners, but I always like to get you know your personal take on the Craig Strength story, right? How and why did you get in the mortgage business? Why do you love this business? Uh, well, I got in the mortgage business in 1994 when I graduated uh, from college, and that was not a good year for the job market in general. Mm-hmm. Um, and I had I had seen other uh, people being successful that I knew from school in the mortgage business and felt that uh, it touched on a lot of different skill sets I had learned up to that point, and I, I thought I would give it a try. I got started doing um, subprime consumer direct way back when. Mm-hmm. Um, when that, when that was a good thing and, and worked out well. Um, and it was a great way to learn because I learned on, um, on telemarketing leads, which required a tremendous amount of persistence and follow up back then. There wasn't a whole lot of technology. So I also learned to do all my calculations back then, uh, by hand and meet with people in person. So, um, learning in that environment in that market has, has served me well and was a, was a good way to get into the mortgage business. Over the years, people who I've met who have been successful in the mortgage business, not always, but a lot of times are people that have entered the mortgage business in difficult markets rather than those that entered in really strong markets. Mm-hmm. What advice would you give to those that are entering the market right now? I mean, there's a fair amount of people I talk to that have come in in the last, you know, one to three years. Um, they haven't seen, you know, kind of the market shifts and the, the, the changes in what it takes to succeed. Any, any suggestions or coaching you might be doing for those people? And certainly taking a long view, I think there's still tremendous opportunity in the mortgage business. I'm really proud to have been in it for so long. I think that uh, there's great opportunity for young people in the business, and it's not really looked at by the current generation very significantly. And um, the, the income potential, the freedom, the opportunity to build your own business and manage your own time, 
are wonderful. So I would advise people entering the business now to take a long view, to make investments in themselves, at least you know somewhere between 10 and 20% a year back into their own marketing and technology, to take uh, an ownership standpoint, not to count on their company to do everything for them, but instead to make investments now in the right uh, database, presentation software, mobile tools, all the things they need to create uh, sort of an independent, uh, entity amongst themselves so that they could be successful for the long term. Hmm. Is there anything looking back that you would do differently or wish you had done differently in preparing? You know, you, you've used the word long view a couple of times, but uh, if you could go back to, you know, coach yourself 20 years ago or whatever, is there any advice you would give yourself? Yeah, well, I really believe in databasing and client retention. I would have done it even earlier and even deeper than I already did. And I, and I already do it pretty deep to begin with, but I would have gone even deeper with it. Um, I would have spent even more time nurturing existing relationships rather than being out trying to build uh, new ones. Uh, so I would have changed the proportion of, of time management a little bit uh, if I could go back and, and, and do that again. So by nurturing existing relationships, uh, you mean referral partners? I mean, referral partners and past customers, uh, there's, you know, it's, it's certainly a cliche that there's so much gold in the database and in the relationships, but there is. And it's, it's also true going back many years, people in the industry have always told us that there's multiple opportunities in every single loan. Mm-hmm. And I think we miss out on those opportunities. Most people do not see that there's four or five opportunities in every single loan application. And um, for me personally, I would have done a better job focusing on all of those opportunities within the application rather than rushing to find the new buyer. All right. So that's an interesting topic. Yeah. And I've definitely heard that before. Um, How do you extract more than one opportunity out of a loan app? Well, certainly I think it's important to plant the seed early on these days with a potential client, setting out expectations as to what you are going to do and the experience you plan to deliver and slowly sort of you know, plant the idea that uh, if they're happy, uh, you would be very appreciative at the end of the process of a review of them passing your name along to friends and family and others. So certainly making sure that you get within the network. It has to do, you know, in terms of somebody's particular activator, right? Mm-hmm. Somebody refinancing tends to know other people refinancing. Somebody buying homes tends to know other people that are buying homes. So making sure that you you are aware of that and that the, the, the client is aware that you're looking for those introductions. If you don't tell them, particularly if they're first timers, they just may not know. So I'm not talking about asking for a referral five times throughout the process. I don't believe in that. Mm-hmm. But I am letting them know in a subtle and gentle way, particularly at times in which they express gratitude to me and taking advantage of the law of reciprocity, then letting them know, hey, by the way, um, I am really appreciative of anybody else you know. And the way I say it is, who do you know now? Rather than saying, hey, please keep me in mind, I'll say, hey, who do you know now that's also buying a home or looking to buy? Mm -hmm. Um, So certainly that opportunity for, for more business there. I also set up the next transaction with the client at the time of closing. So I will set an auto lock target, meaning a specific targeted rate in which a no cost refinance makes sense. And then I will track that for them for the life of the loan. So I'm setting up the next transaction for them as well. Uh, In terms of uh, business within the individual loan application, um, I am asking questions with regard to uh, their happiness level or existence uh, working with a CPA and a financial planner. I'm making those introductions if they don't have them already. And if they do have them and they're happy, I'm asking for those introductions. Uh, I'm also looking at where they work. 
uh, in some cases, if it's a local company where I know decisions are made here, uh, I'm considering sending information on what we call our workplace rewards program and trying to get it, um, some information in front of the uh, HR folks over there as well. So mm-hmm. multiple opportunities within every single loan. And there's, there's really more than that if you dig even deeper. Yeah, exactly. There's, there, there's a lot of stuff in there. Um, two things I want to unpack a little bit there. I'm curious about when you, when you come to that section about, you know, the, the CPA, right? Tell me, do you have a current CPA? Are you happy or not? I'd be curious that, and I don't know if you, you measure this, but like how often that leads to an opportunity one way or the other, whether it's you're, you know, introducing them to a CPA because they're open to it, or, you know, you're going to get introduced to theirs. How often would you say that happens? Yeah. What I'm typically doing is, um, if I have the tax returns, I'm taking the CPA's info right off of there. If I don't, I, I'm, I'm asking for it at some point in the process. I'm asking if it's okay to provide the closing disclosure to their CPA. Mm. And if the answer is yes, then post-closing, I'm sending a letter to the CPA indicating I've just handled the transaction. They'll need the CD for tax prep next year. And here's a copy and here's my info. And then I'm doing a follow-up call based on that. Unlike, you know, there's some other people out there that suggest going to the CPA at the, at the point of sale mm-hmm. and getting their buy-in. Um, I don't do that uh, just for a little bit of a concern over, you know, it, could they potentially sell away uh, from, right. from me at that point? So I, I don't do it then, but I That's do do it. It's a little awkward, closing. isn't it? Um, not particularly. I mean, if huh? you, if you call up and you say our mutual client, Mm-hmm. Bob and Jane Jones are in the process of refinancing, and they suggested that I provide you with this detailed analysis of the numbers, mm-hmm. including the tax benefit. I wanted to show this to you ahead of time. Mm-hmm. Um, generally, it's okay. But TPAs are a, sort of a finicky group. They're very technical, and they're not salesy. So mm-hmm. it's better to just, I find, to follow up with the closing disclosure and pepper them with numbers and analyses. They don't really mm-hmm. want to be sold to. And then, then take me through the end of that. It's uh, the transaction's closed. You send them the the, the, the disclosures. You're following up. Uh, what does that sound like? Yeah, I mean, sometimes they'll give you a meeting. Sometimes they won't. But hey, it's Craig Strand at Apex Home Loans. Just wanted to let you know. Just want to make sure you received the letter I re- I sent over for Bob and Jane Jones. I included a copy of their closing disclosure. And I recently handled their transaction. Did you receive that? Yes, I think I saw that. Okay, well, I just want to let you know, you know, they were able to save $300 a month or purchase a new home. We're a local experienced um, mortgage lender here in Rockville, Maryland. And uh, I'd welcome the opportunity to chat with you a little bit more about how we might coordinate on some clients in the future. I'm regularly asked as well on my end for uh, CPA recommendations when I ask my clients if they have them, and they don't always do. So I'd like to get together and maybe learn a bit, a little more about what a good referral for you is and see if it's the right. So very basic, very basic networking script. And uh, what's the uh, what's the take rate on that in terms of that offer? I'd say, I'd say every now and then. I wouldn't say constant. I, you do find yourself leaving voicemails. You do get a call back every now and then. I'd say you don't get that many one-on-one meetings, but what you do get is you sort of get permission to continue to stay in touch with them, connect with them on LinkedIn. And if you're doing a lot of good social media and posting and you have a good monthly newsletter, other items you're mailing, what will happen inevitably over time is that TPA will call you with a referral. That's, mm. that's what my experience has been. So, so you're, they don't necessarily want to run out to lunch together, <laughs> but they will use you as a resource down the road if you stay in touch well. Interesting. So th- are you then like friending them on Facebook once you do have that conversation? I don't friend them on Facebook unless I know them and I've met them personally, but I do connect with them on LinkedIn mm. and then they'll see the regular social media updates and so on. Yeah, that's probably a good point. I, I also, with the CPA, LinkedIn. I, yeah. And if I can't get to a CPA to meet with them that I really want to meet with, I do start inviting them 
to cool events. Hmm. Um, and, and a good sort of off, off successful story I have is I do also believe in sort of targeted, uh, you know, ways of, of staying in touch and, and, and showing them that I'm, that I'm aware of what's going on. So, you know, I'll go online and read about their hobbies or interests, and then I'll send them an article or a book related to something they're interested in to try to get the conversation going. I recently had a CPA who I tried multiple times to get lunch with. I couldn't. Uh, I saw that he was really into fishing. I sent him a book called The Greatest Fishing Stories Ever Told. And he immediately called me back and said, this book is amazing. I really <laughs> appreciate you thinking of me. Clearly, you know, you're considerate and it makes sense that maybe um, we should talk about some clients. So, um, you know, no rest for violations. You can't send a, a gift for somebody sending you a referral, but right. you can sort of look at somebody's interests and send something of interest to them ahead of time to get the conversation going. Absolutely. That's that personal touch and, you know, demonstrates that you've, uh, you know, like you said, you're considerate. You've, you've spent some time in thinking about how to make an impact with that person. That's great. Um, any particular reason why you pursued that CPA, uh, that much? Did you know he was a, like, yeah, he was, he was recommended mm-hmm. by a financial advisor that I already worked with who said that he was very good and he sends a lot of his clients to him. And I was looking for a new CPA in a particular part of town mm-hmm. where a client had said to me a few times, we need a new CPA and I didn't have a good contact. So what would you say roughly um, percentage of business you get from CPAs for your total overall volume? It's, it's small. I mean, financial advisors are a much, much, much larger group, much, much larger segment for me. I would say right. CPAs is a minor pillar. I would call it 5%. Okay, great. So then nice transition. Let's talk about how you get financial advisor business. Um, mm-hmm. That's like, you know, the holy grail. People want to know, how do I get in front of those people? Yeah. Financial advisors has been my number one source of business for a very long time as well as the repeat and referral business that comes with it. I just decided a long time ago, this goes back to almost 2000, that I read an article in Mortgage Originator Magazine way back when <laughs> by a, a great guy named Bill Early, um, who's still in the mortgage business down in uh, North Carolina now. And Bill, in one page in that old magazine, outlined why it made sense for mortgage people and financial advisors to work together. And um, I decided to pursue that niche at that time, and it worked out really well. And it, to this day, it still makes up a huge piece of my business. I, I think that people miss out on the mortgage piece of financial advisory. They don't understand that the mortgage is the number one liability, uh, typically, mm-hmm. and that financial advisors, particularly you know those who say they're holistic and they manage everything, well, they really don't. They're really only managing the asset side of the balance sheet. And mm-hmm. financial advisors, they partner with CPAs and they partner with estate planning attorneys, but they haven't thought to partner with mortgage people. And, you know, it just makes natural sense to look at the largest liability if you're doing financial planning for someone. So I sort of go at them with that approach that I can handle that aspect of their practice and that we should partner up. And I sort of give them case studies and other materials as to demonstrate how they could properly use the mortgage to create and preserve assets for their clients. All right. How do you do that? I'm curious. How do I create and preserve assets? Yeah. Well, if it's a refinance environment, it's very simple. Obviously, if their clients are saving up money and freeing up cash flow, that cash flow can then automatically be redirected to take advantage of the employer-sponsored retirement plan that they're not maxing out, to take advantage of life or disability insurance they don't have yet, to start a 529 that they may not have done, to save up for the next down payment, to pay up high interest debt, all that stuff. So that's natural on a refinance. Mm -hmm. On a home purchase, a little different, particularly for move-up buyers. It's particularly effective 
most mortgage people listening to this call will probably agree that when you talk to the average move up buyer and you say, how much are you going to put down on the next house? They generally say, I'm just going to roll my proceeds over. Mm. Um, so I show them specific strategies for not doing that, for rolling over a portion of the proceeds and investing the difference. We get into detail about the actual after-tax cost of a mortgage versus the long-term ROI on investing in a well-diversified portfolio elsewhere. So I show them sort of that, that, you know, that partial arbitrage they could take advantage of. Mm-hmm. I talk to their clients and provide third-party validation on why a 30-year fixed and investing the difference typically makes a whole lot more sense than taking the lower rate associated with 15 years. Mm-hmm. I illustrate why paying extra money to your mortgage principal is generally not a good idea and why you're better off keeping that money separated with your advisor or investing it uh, into your plan with the advisor. Um, I show them ways to free up cash flow that they buy. You know, if they want to buy permanent insurance versus term life, I show them different ways and to free up that cash flow to do that and the impacts over the long term. So all types of things that are related to how can the mortgage be used to help accelerate the attainment of financial planning goals. And I'm not talking about stupid stuff like, hey, let's refinance and pull cash out of your house and invest it all in the market and use a NEGAM loan. Mm. I'm not talking about that kind of stuff. I'm talking about suitable and prudent things that meet that meet CFP types of standards. How, how do you illustrate that to people, represent that in a way they understand? Are you using you know, a software tool or something? to you know? Yeah, I use presentation software that allows me to take into account all of those different things, tax benefits, ROI on separating money from the house, and so on. So when you say presentation software, uh, what, what do you mean? I, I use I use Mortgage Coach for that, which I okay. think most of the callers on most sure. people on the call will probably have have heard of. I, yeah. I should hope at least, and I've been oh, doing yeah. that for a very long time. And that's what I thought. Yeah, why not give Dave a shout out? Dave Savage, Mortgage Coach. Uh, for those who don't know what it is, we'll put a link in the show notes. But Dave's been on the podcast for, before. All right, so that's interesting. I want to clarify something here. That conversation around you know uh, being a financial advisor for somebody uh, purchasing a home. If I'm understanding this correctly you clarified that that's typically a move up buyer who's rolling proceeds from the sale of a house and you know may have way more than 20% or whatever that they need. Is that correct? Number one? Not, not always. I mean, not sometimes always. it's a first time buyer okay. and sometimes it's just helping a first time buyer understand because a lot of times first time buyers do have money invested and are often in a position where they're going to sell something and pay a capital gain to get to a certain point. And they may often do that to get to, let's say they really believe they should put 20% down. So maybe 20% down makes sense, but maybe they've done really well and they want to stay invested and they don't have, for example, enough cash in liquid reserves and living expenses and buying a new place and furnishing is expensive. So I may show them an option where you know they take advantage of single premium MI or some other type of mechanism that allows them to stay more diversified within their, within their total financial plan, inclusive of the mortgage and the home equity. So it works really well on move-up buyers that have proceeds, but mm. it certainly works well for first-time buyers as well. On financial advisors, you don't always get you know, the real first-time home buyer with very minimal down because those people often don't have advisors. Mm-hmm. The way that you get those referrals from advisors is often from the parents. Mm-hmm. So very often in this market as well, as we know, people are buying later and often putting more down. Um, financial advisors are managing the parents' money, and the parents are helping the kids with a gift for down payment. And as a result of it, they'll often say, hey, call this mortgage person. Hmm. Interesting. Um, I'm curious, like in the first time homebuyer um, situation, because that's the bulk of a lot of buyers right now. Um, is there ever a time when you determine that type of a conversation isn't right 
for that particular client? Well, you know, first time home buyers, they know how to ask two questions. What's the rate and what are the closing costs? And so, <laughs> right. you know, and, and that's not their fault. That's what they're programmed to ask. So mm-hmm. I don't fault them for that. But oftentimes they're not looking at other considerations. For example, I recently had a couple, two government workers down here in D.C. They both worked for the government. They had strong salaries. They were in their early 30s and they wanted to put 50% down and take a 15-year rate mortgage. And it just didn't make sense. They weren't maxing out their TSPs, their government retirement accounts. Mm -hmm. They hadn't started saving for college, but they were so debt averse that this is the way they wanted to go. So it allowed me to start a conversation that, that, that moved them to, hey, what about these other things? Hey, if you still want to pay off your mortgage in 15 years, you could. But what if we did it in such a way where at year 15, you could pay it up in a lump sum and still have money left over and still have a better tax advantage between now and then. So not everybody says yes to that, right. but it's a completely different conversation that you're having. And it, and it definitely separates you from, from other people out there. I think the, the key thing I'm, I'm hearing here is a couple of things. Um, you know, you're presenting them options, number one, and you're having a conversation that's larger than rate and fees. Mm-hmm. And you're, you're kind of controlling that. You're not letting the client. As a matter of fact, let's, let, I'd be curious, you know, when somebody comes out swinging, right? Hey, what's your rate? How do you pivot? How do you adjust with that? I just use the same script I've used for years. And I learned this many years ago and just modified it from a gentleman that a lot of listeners probably heard of. And his name is Dale Vermillion. He's a great coach. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, you know, I would say, I would say, Jeff, I appreciate you asking me that question. What I'd like to do is build you out a detailed spreadsheet of rates, loan options, uh, payments, and closing costs broken down to the dollar for you to view. I'd like to send that to you in writing so that you can see it all broken down for you. Is that okay? Hmm. And then the client, the, the prospect will, of course, say, absolutely. I'd love to have that. And I'd say, great. In order to do that accurately and to make sure all the information I present to you, I can actually deliver on. Is it okay with you if we take a few minutes just right now just for me to get the information I need to build that out for you? Mm-hmm. Of course it is. Great. We go ahead and do that. And I say, okay, can I send that to you around 2.30 today? And can we jump on the phone? You know, pick a time. We jump on the phone. So I'll pick a time for us to jump on the phone. I'll send the spreadsheet to them about 10 minutes before because I don't want to get too, too confused looking at it on their own. Mm-hmm. I send it over um, back to Dave and the shout out. I use uh, Mortgage Coach and the Edge for that. Mm-hmm. So I'll do an Edge live call with them uh, for that. We'll jump on the phone. Uh, and this is assuming we don't get together in person. I'll right. take over their screen and I'll walk them through each option in detail. Um, I often follow up with a video after the call as well to summarize the discussion for the person we just spoke to and or for any other decision makers or people that they're going to be sharing the options with who are not on the phone. Wow, that's cool. Uh, how much do you try and meet uh, people in person? I live in the D.C. area, so it is it is hard. Um, with with you know we're a, we're a multi-state area with lots of commute times and traffic, so it's not easy to do that. I offer it to most clients. Most clients do not take me up on it. Mm. I do use video quite a bit. All right. So what, what I'm hearing there is you're using video because you understand um, the, the importance of building that trust and connection. Can't do it in person. So video is the next best thing. Yes, but to be super clear to the people on the phone, particularly the newer folks in the business, I'm 20 plus years now. Mm-hmm. I, I really feel strongly, and I, and I coach my loan officers on this, I, I do feel very strongly about trying to meet people in person. 
And I believe that my personal you know, rate of conversion would likely be better if I was able to do more in-person meetings. It hasn't been as possible for me because as one of the owners of the company, I'm also pulled in a bunch of directions. So um, but I would highly advise those people on the call, particularly new, newer LOs, uh, to meet with people in person whenever they can, even if that means going to them. Now, in terms of meetings where you go to them, I would really just say on a side note, I would try to avoid going to the house because there's always distractions when you go to someone's home. Yeah. So maybe going to their, to their office conference room or to a Starbucks or something like that, but trying to avoid the house if you can. Yeah, I can relate. I've done that a few times in the past, man. There's babies, there's dogs, there's whatever, right? right. <laughs> right. Awesome. Wow, that's really cool, man. So you've really thought out this this process for engaging. Um, I was curious though, real quick, back to the financial um, side of things. You've done a lot of self-education then on, on helping you become more of a, you know, yourself a financial advisor, right? Yeah. So if you ask loan officers and I, and I've, I've coached loan officers, uh, you know, around the country over the years about how to go after financial advisors in a deeper manner. And, you know, when you talk to loan officers, almost every single loan officer to a person that you talk to said, yes, I really want to pursue that market. Mm-hmm. And when you ask them, well, why haven't you up till now? You know, they all say, I'm sick of realtors. I want to go after advisors. I always hear about that. Mm. Why haven't you done? They generally say that they don't know where to start, A, and B, they don't know what to say to the advisor, is B, and then C, if they got the meeting, they don't know this yet, but if they got the meeting, they wouldn't know what to do at the meeting. <laughs> so for all of these reasons, they don't pursue advisors. Most loan officers got into the business and their sales manager said, here, Go, go get realtors. That's where the business is. Mm-hmm. And, and you should go after realtors. That is a huge portion of where the business is. But I believe in having multiple pillars of business, mm-hmm. some major, some minor. And so I think it makes sense to diversify, just like in financial planning, diversify your book of business and the sources in which where it comes from so that you're not sitting with all your eggs in, in one basket. That's all. Yeah. So that's why I believe the advisor market is, is really great. And, um, as if people have heard me speak before on advisors, they'll know that, you know, I also like to point out that there's a couple major, major pluses with advisors and, and they are that they, they, they don't work on weekends. <laughs> they don't give out multiple names mm-hmm. and people pay for their financial advisors advice. So they tend to follow it. Mm-hmm. All right. Um, I'm, I'm going to hold you to it. Give me the, you don't have to, rev, you know, open the whole box here, but, uh, Coach me real quick. What what should I say when calling on a financial advisor? How do I prepare to make that call, man? Well, if you're calling a financial advisor for the first time, first of all, I would, I would start with how I got to them. But if I just getting to them cold, is that what you're asking me? Somebody well, just in my neighborhood? Well, I guess, yeah, there's one of, one of two ways, right? Either you're introduced uh, on behalf of your clients and you just took a loan app for, um, or there's cold. So I'm sure it's two different approaches. Yeah. I mean, if it's cold, I would say, I would say, Jeff, you know, my name is Craig. I'm a local mortgage lender. And I have a unique niche in which I support financial advisors by managing the liability side of the balance sheet. One of the ways I do that is to structure the mortgage to help accelerate the financial planning goals. And this helps to create and preserve assets that you manage for your clients. I'd love to take a few minutes with you and show you a little bit more how I do that, how I think it could benefit your practice and increase your business, and how we might work together. And, mm-hmm. and, and usually that's enough. Mm-hmm. Really? And, and that works? Yeah. I mean, if you want to, if you want to dangle referrals, you can, I don't love doing that. Mm-hmm. You could say something along the lines of, and this is true for me, by the way, at the end of, you know, I, I, I would say I did done this many mortgages in the last year, the end of every process, I ask my client if they have a financial advisor, 
Many of them say they don't. I explained that this is a great time since we just did the mortgage for you to have a complimentary planning consultation with a local financial advisor. I know a few good ones. Would you like me to introduce you? And I'm always looking for new advisors to introduce my clients to. Can we get together? And you're sort of talking about interviewing them. Mm. Can we get together so I can understand more about what you do and whether or not we work together and if you're a good fit for my client? And now you're sort of calling to interview them for your client. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I like that. And the get together is it's not coffee, lunch per se. It's just meet at their office. I prefer to meet at the office of the financial advisor or at my office. Mm -hmm. If we meet at their office, I'm going to see their operation. I'm going to look around their office. I'm going to see their hobbies and interests, start some conversation, maybe think about ways we can connect later with an article or something of interest that I can send them. And I'm also going to get an opportunity if I do a great job, they're probably going to introduce me to other advisors that are in the office. Mm-hmm. If not, I'd like them to come to my office so that I can give them a tour of my office and show them how I'm set up, meet my team, and sort of blow them away with the culture and the customer service that we have here in the office. So I like one of those two things over meeting for lunch or coffee or whatever. Everything doesn't have to be a meal. You can have a business meeting with advisors. It's different. It's not like realtors where yeah. a lot of them, not all of them, but a lot of them are looking for a free lunch. It's not like that. Right. They can buy their own lunch. They, they're happy to do a professional meeting in and out. Yeah. Um, and what happens after that meeting? Let's say it goes well, you know, some good rapport and stuff. What do you, what do you do? I, I'm assuming you do something unique and different like the, the book, you know what I mean? Yeah. Well, I think the most effective thing you could do after any meeting, whether it's a networking group, a realtor meeting, a financial, any meeting, the most effective thing you could do is immediately try to provide some value. Remember that, you know, in networking, a giver gets. Mm-hmm. So super important to me to rack my brain after the meeting and say, who can I introduce this person to? Number one, if I can't think of anyone, who can I, uh, that's not a client, who can I connect them to that's potentially a good referral partner for that? If not, what can I do for them personally? What did I hear them say? Maybe they're having a problem with their, their home and their landscaping and their plumber. Who knows what? What can I do to help this person? What book can I send them? So I'll often listen to what challenges they'll have in their business. And then I'll send them a specific book with a handwritten note. What are their hobbies? Again, this guy about this guy who loves fishing. I send him the fishing book. Maybe it's something else. And I'll send them you know, a sleeve of golf balls, whatever. So I'll mm-hmm. always do something immediately to create an impact after the meeting. Then I will follow up in regular intervals with little blogs or articles I write or or pieces of interest uh, related to mortgages and financial planning, touch base with them regularly, and then try to get together. I might invite them to hear a a local speaker or Mm -hmm. to a networking event or something like that as well so I can continue to build the rapport. Mm. Key point there, man. Add value, right? Consistently. Immediately yeah. afterwards, I mean, they're, they're, now's the time for you to, to, you to really um, shine, right? They're expecting yes. to see something. They're like, what's next? All right, this guy came in, right? Had a good, good talk and good, you know, let's see if he actually delivers. The other thing I do is I'll send them a sample of what I'm going to do with their clients so they can experience it. So I'll send them a mm. sample of a mortgage coach video yeah. with a case study that I put together and say, hey, here's an example of if you gave me a client with, we talked about, hey, 30 versus 15. Here's my 30 versus 15 case study. So the next time a client asks you about it, you could show them this video. I'm curious, you know, do you ever get into those discussions with financial uh, advisors about, you know, the strategy of having a 30 year fix versus a 15? And do you do kind of butt heads ever on that? We constantly have this discussion. We don't butt heads because, uh, you know, a cardinal rule, if you're going to go into this niche is never um, contradict the advisor's advice to the client. If you disagree with what the advisor is telling the client, call the advisor and explain your position and why and say, have you considered 
this and provide data. Show an example of a, of a specific case study, even the client's case study, if you have the information saying, hey, I know you recommended this, but if they do this, it might actually look, look how much better it can be. And a lot of times the advisor will be tremendously open to that. I never even thought about Craig. That's great. Or they'll say, you know what? This client has a very depression era mentality. They're very debt averse. They're probably going to inherit money in a couple of years. We're fully aware of why they shouldn't do the 15 year, but they want it. Mm-hmm. And that's what we're going to go. Okay, great. No problem. So um, we don't butt heads to, you, to, to answer your question, but I may sometimes enlighten them on another way of structuring the mortgage. Sure. Again, keep your keep your advisor cap on, right? You're not, you're not a salesperson, you're an advisor. So your job is to do your fiduciary responsibility to the client and then, you know, maintain that relationship with the uh, advisor. Now, th- now the, keep in mind, the mortgage person, me, does not have legally a fiduciary responsibility. I think it's important that you brought that word up mm-hmm. because for the people listening, they should understand that advisors do generally, um, not all kinds, but almost all advisors have fiduciary responsibilities to the client. And I think that's an important word because I take that approach with the client. Mm-hmm. And I think it's important when you're talking to the advisor that while we are not fiduciaries, we structure our practice, if you're working with advisors, to be that way. Mm-hmm. And I think something that's really um, gotten me points with advisors over the years is that it's not, it's not infrequent that advisor will send me something to analyze for a client. And I say, there's nothing to be done here. There's no, these guys are in great shape. There's nothing to be done here. And by the way, I'm going to set a target for them anyway and let them know when it's time to refinance. Um, so I think that's super important. Advisors want to have the outlet of getting some person to third party validate their suggestion, whether it's telling, look, if an advisor says you shouldn't put 50% down, you should put 20% down and give me the rest to invest. The homeowner sort of has their antenna up going, oh, he just wants to get his hands on my money so he can invest it. Mm-hmm. But if that's coming from the mortgage person with detailed analyses on the mortgage options showing that it's better to separate the money, that's huge for the advisor to have that third-party validation. So, so they want us in that transaction. We make them look good. Mm-hmm. And on top of that, we're not cross-selling away. So if most advisors just say, oh, call your bank or call your current mortgage company. Well, a lot of banks have loan officers on staff who are incented to take a look at the full 1003 and try to grab the 401k or the retirement plan right. or whatever else and bring it in house. So it's just another small benefit to the advisor that we're not doing that. Mm, that's a great point. Great point indeed. Um, and I really thank you for, by the way, highlighting the, the word uh, fiduciary, because I, I think that in this market where, like you said earlier, people are conditioned to ask for rate. Well, you know, I use this term visible value uh, and you've got a coach, a, a tool like Mortgage Coach that helps you illustrate, right, your visible value through providing data to back up, right? You, you know the deal. Everybody listening, people buy for emotional reasons. They back it up with logic. Um, that helps just, I think, demonstrate clearly to an advisor and to your clients that you are taking a fiduciary responsibility because you're showing them options. You're showing the impact of their choices uh, based on their unique situation. Yes. And most people are not doing that. Look, the truth is most mortgage people are just quoting rate and cost, and right. they're not showing the long-term impact of the mortgage and or they're not taking the mortgage and putting it in the scope of the total financial plan and looking at the impact on the other side of the balance sheet, on the assets, on the cash flow, and everything else. They're just quoting the rate and the term. 
Yeah. And, and I've been talking about this for quite a while. Um, it really goes into kind of your, your, from that first conversation, from the first point of engagement with your clients of uh, having that discussion, which you uh, shared so eloquently earlier um, and how you take the, the conversation away from price to advice. So for those listening, go back, write down the script, adjust it, make it yours and start using some third-party tools to, you know, position yourself as a valuable uh, resource uh, rather than just a rate and quote machine. And don't, don't get me wrong. This is still an incredibly price sensitive environment we're in. Yeah. And you can do all of these things and still lose a deal for an eighth because there is that population of people right. that is just going to take your advice and go run and use it elsewhere. Mm-hmm. So that's going to happen. But as, as Stephen Marshall would say, it's really just about increasing your batting average and giving yourself all the tools you need to do that. And this is just another one of those tools. Yeah. So, so what I'm hearing you say is just know that you're not going to bat a thousand percent. You're going to, you know, some of those people are going to go that other route. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, they're just not going to care about your advice because they're going to think they, they know better or whatever, and that's fine. And they're going to just, they're just lowest rate and that's, that's okay. That's okay. Yeah. It's about understanding who your target client is. Yes. I know somebody in, in my life who, uh, when they, uh, acquire home and all that stuff, they, they, they don't just jump right online and go for that lowest cost, right? Lowest rate, because they know they got the 800 FICO, the 20, you know, all that kind of, they know they're vanilla straight up a paper. So they're like, right. I don't, I don't care about your advice, man. I just want the lowest rate. <laughs> right. And, and those are the kind of people that are often paying an extra two or $300 a month to their mortgage, at, even though they have a three and a half percent rate without realizing that, they could pay their mortgage off even sooner if they separated that money from the house. Hmm, interesting. All right. Very good conversation on financial advisors. Curious, um, is there any kind of source, you, you know, online or otherwise that you might have used in the past to locate financial advisors if you're going to maybe uh, do some outbound calling? Um, you know, the, the way to gather advisors, I mean, the best way, of course, to gather financial advisor names is to ask your existing referral network, hmm. um, your existing clients your friends, your family, all those types of things, who they use, are they happy, and then ask for introductions. That's the best way to go. Um, beyond that, you can obviously Google financial advisor in your area, and you're going to get a massive number there. You can also look at associations where they join, the FBA, which is the Financial Planning Association. Mm-hmm. It's very common. Yeah. Have you ever attended any of those meetings, by the way? You know, I've looked at the FBA many times, and I haven't attended them just because I, I'm spending a lot of time nurturing the existing advisors I have, and I'm at the point where I'm actually diversifying as well, trying to do better in some other areas just because I feel good about my advisor niche. So uh, I'm trying to make sure that I don't put all my eggs in that basket. Right, right. Exactly. Yeah. You've got those other baskets you've got to nurture as well, right? (laughs) Yep. That's right. Uh, But for those listening, uh, and I've done a little bit of that in the past as well, you know, Google the various financial planning associations. Like you said, there's the FPA, there's the NAPFA, and a lot of these organizations, um, they have meetings, local chapters in your town, your city. And oftentimes they're open to having guest speakers who want to come in and present on a relevant topic. So that's another way for you to get exposed to them and network. Um, All right. Very cool. We are um, just about out of time, but I want to wrap up with... um, you know, you've got a lot of, uh, you've got a breadth, a wide breadth of experience and advice. Uh, and, and as you said, right, you've coached many loan officers throughout the years. So I want to close out by, you know, getting some wisdom here from Mr. Craig Strand. Uh, what do you, you've got a room full of, of loan officers, let's say, right? Um, various levels of experience, but yeah, you know, let's just say, um, well, let me just put it this way. How are you preparing for the shift that's happened, happening in the market, what are you doing differently, if anything, or just doing more of what you're already doing? 
Um, I think in this environment, there's a lot of blocking and tackling that has to go on. Mm -hmm. I think you have to continue to cast a really wide net. Um, there's two books on my desk right now. Uh, both of them are a little dated, but they're really relevant. But I pulled them off my bookshelf. One is Spencer Johnson's Who Moved My Cheese, which a lot of people have heard of. And the other one is by a gentleman named Marshall Goldsmith, also a well-known book, which is What Got You Here Won't Get You There. So I think that the landscape in the mortgage business has shifted tremendously. A lot of digital, a lot of people starting online, a lot of people wanting uh, you know, everything at their fingertips and only getting ready to call mortgage people right at the point of sale when they want that final piece of advice. So I think we have to look at what got us here and how are we going to shift now and find the new cheese? Because I think there is a lot of new cheese out there, but it's not in the same place the old cheese was. And there's more you know, we've seen a significant drop off over the last couple of years in origination volume, but we have not seen that big of a drop off in people exiting the business just yet. So you've got more people going after, you've got the same number of people mm. going after less business, which drives you into a price sensitive transaction. And you've got more people going online for price only. So I do think there's going to be a lot of consolidation among loan officers in the business and those that survive are going to be the ones that create significant value at the point of sale. Hmm. So if you're not doing that and you're just, you know, knocking on realtor doors and, and dropping off rate sheets and quoting rates and terms all day long, that's probably going to wane on your business over time if you don't have some kind of niche that helps separate you out from the pack, whether it's a product niche, whether it's a customer service niche, whether it's a, a referral source niche, such as advisors or divorce lawyers. There's got to be something that makes you different to help you capture business long term. Hmm. Very good. Very good stuff. Um, thank you for, for sharing those, those two books. Uh, definitely know who moved my cheese. And, uh, I wrote down, uh, the, what, what got you here? What was that title again? What got you here? What got you here? Won't get you there. It's by we'll a gentleman named Marshall, Marshall Goldsmith. Goldsmith. Right. I got it. I'm going to put links to both of those in the show notes for those listening. If you want to grab those books, um, you are definitely a student who's always sharpening the ax, man, even after 20 years. So thanks a lot for sharing your wisdom here. If anybody wants to reach out to you directly and connect, uh, where should they find you? They could just email me. It's my first name, Craig, and my company is Apex Home Loan. So Craig at apexhomeloans.com. Awesome, man. Well, I appreciate you being here. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. You bet. And listeners, once again, appreciate you being here. If you enjoyed this episode, please let us know. Leave us a little love on uh, wherever you're listening, iTunes, Stitcher, Radio, Google Play. Uh, We appreciate you sharing this podcast with others, and we will see you on the next one. Bye for now. Thanks for listening to Mortgage Marketing Radio. Want more truth in mortgage marketing? Get more free training and resources at MortgageMarketingInstitute.com. Hey guys, what's up real quick. Uh, you've heard about the mortgage marketing pro membership before, and I just want to quickly remind you if that you're in a place in your business where you simply need more purchase loans, you need to fill your pipeline with purchase business. Let's just face it. Agents are still a solid pillar of business and sources of purchase business for you. Well, good news. Our Mortgage Marketing Pro membership helps loan officers like you close more loans without the hassle of chasing agents or cold calling. Done for you agent classes, expert training videos, a marketing automation platform that automates the entire process for you, everything you need to build your personal brand in your local market, attract and convert agents into referral partners, plus 
done-for-you proven marketing materials and plug-and-play content to make promoting your class, getting agents butts and seats, partnering with affiliates real easy. But that's not all. You'll also get access to our weekly mastermind calls with top LOs, authors, speakers, and coaches to learn the best strategies to grow your business right now in today's market. And as an extra bonus for a limited time, for all new members, you'll get access to a database of 200 agents in your local market that have closed anywhere to, from eight to 50 transactions in the last 12 months. And we'll provide that list uploaded into our platform for you so you can get off to a fast start in reaching actually productive agents. So what are you waiting for? You can check out more at mortgagemarketing.pro, see more of the success stories there. And if you feel compelled to do so, book a call, we'll have a chat, we'll see if it's a fit. Don't miss out on this opportunity to take your mortgage business to the next level right now. Head over to mortgagemarketing.pro.